Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same love, the same love. Stay by your side, it's right over. All right, welcome back to Forge in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today we have somebody who has been a pilot for NetJets. She is uh, on TV. She does amazing keynotes. Um, she is from Minnesota. I'm going to let that slide because I'm from Wisconsin. So, um, But this guest, make sure you're tur- tune, uh, turning up the volume and listening. Stephanie Getz, so great to have you on the program today. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'll let that slide too, that you're from Wisconsin. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I guess we can go both ways here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I love the diversity of all the things that you've done. I think it's so, so fantastic that, you know, I want to first actually dive into your, your TV background because that a lot of people will watch uh, TV and they'll be like, oh yeah, that, that, that looks so easy to do. Tell me your first experience. I want to go back to your first experience on TV. Was was it live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is, whether you like it or not. Whether uh, you like it or not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went to school for broadcast journalism at the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. And um, just rubbing it a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, you know, going to school, you learn at that the school of journalism there. It was great. You really learned how to get out in the field. Uh, get the story, talk to people, um, ask the tough questions, and then put a story together. So I had good training there in college. And then when I went out into the real world, it was definitely a baptism by fire. It was, all right, well, you have to go talk to if there is, let's say, a fire somewhere, then a car crash, or then you have to do something on a school levy, which back then I was like, well, what is that exactly? And having to be able to explain that to people and understand enough about it. So you become, you know, dangerously good and smart at a little bit of everything because right. you, you have to know different content. But on, um, yeah, the, the very, uh, I think it was the second day uh, I was at work um, at an ABC station up in North Dakota I was live on television. And so you just have to, <laughs> you just have to go, well, I was, I wanted to get into this, didn't I? I didn't want to do it slowly, I guess. I guess I wanted to jump in. Um, one thing that really helped me though throughout my entire career, as, and it still does today, that I had no idea would be so helpful was acting. So okay. I did uh, musicals, operettas, plays all my life growing up ever since I was about five or six years old. And if if someone's like, you know, what sort of skill can I learn to be better at life? Actually, right. shockingly, acting and 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 theater is probably one of your really? best. Yeah, because here's the thing: you have to. The show will 
have to go on no matter what happens. So you walk on stage and I um, was Anna in The King and I, which was like a, a massive role. So I was the I in King and I. And so oh, it's wow. a huge, massive, like three hour play and you're singing and dancing and you're on the stage like, the whole time. And I walked on stage for my very first uh, portion of the show, the, the very like lights, camera, action. I'm so excited for a great show tonight. I walk out and all of a sudden, I'm speaking and saying something to my my young son on stage, and I'm like, "Hello!" And I hear only, I hear my voice, but it's not reverberating throughout the whole theater. No one else can hear it because my lavalier microphone that had a wireless microphone attached to my leg was yeah. off. Oh no! And I can't just be like, "Okay, hold on, everyone. Can you like, can we just like hold on a second? I'm just gonna like redo in one second. No, <laughs> I, you, you have to continue going. And oh so I reached down to my leg, which was my mic box was um, strapped onto my leg, um, kind of like a holster and yeah. uh, underneath like four layers of massive like ball gown from the 1800s. From the 1800s, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I have to like, you know, my smart teen, like, you know, 18 year old self, like, I don't know how I thought of this, but okay, let's just quickly reach down like nothing's happened and just like see if I can flick that switch, which is tiny on that little mic box on my leg. And I turned it, the, the little switch on and all of a sudden I hear my voice throughout the entire theater. And I, I, I the ability to adjust oh in front of hundreds or thousands of people and do it like it was supposed to happen. Nothing. There's nothing to see here. People all is good. Um, it's really something you can take in life. And also knowing that maybe the first option of what we were going to do maybe wasn't the best. So let's try a different <laughs> one or let's try this. And um, and you learn how to be on and like go with the flow. And and you you learn how to, to memorize things like scripts and, and content right. so you can say it more easily. And so I overall, I think I had no idea how helpful that was going to be in my career, but especially in broadcast, because you're cons- consistently having to memorize scripts out in the field um, with things going on in the background. It could be like, oh, cool, you made the NCAA tournament, or it could be uh, a standoff happening just yards right. away. You know, it, it's, a, it's a whole uh, run the gamut, and you certainly have to be on your toes. And, and, you know, going along those lines, how do you, you know, because you were saying you could memorize a script or you could have something that's already ready to go, have you ever done a segment where you started to read it or you read it ahead of time, but didn't really grasp the impact that it was going to have on you. And then when you started to read it, that, it, that, that came through, has that ever happened to you? Oh my, it, you, uh, yeah. And it, you know, kind of thankfully it didn't happen as often because you really do have to be able to do this very challenging job with incredibly right horrific news a lot of the time and still be able to go home and sleep at night. And so, you know, I I think you had, you had to develop a healthy ability. I also like firefighters, law enforcement in the legal community. You you do have to build a, 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 a healthy wall in front of you that's glass enough you know figuratively right. where you see through it you're connecting but you also aren't letting it penetrate you but there are times where there were stories where i'm i, I did have to go home and just um it it, it took a physical toll uh yeah. and because you're you're human and and you have yep. you have to be able to relate but you also have to be able to distance yourself as well. And and you can certainly empathize with the people, especially the hardest ones were stories that I had myself personally experienced. 
and uh, tragedy and other things. And so then it was like, okay, this is this is really painful. And sometimes news directors would say, hey, I'm gonna let someone else take this story because I want someone to be able to do it with kind of a clear lens and be able to not okay. have to be so impacted. I, I That didn't happen for me, which was nice, but they, they were good about saying, we wanna get the best story but and we got to make sure it's getting done by the right person in the right mindset and the right frame of mind too. Yeah, that's I, I can't even imagine because that's hard because you're, you know, you're delivering this information, but yet, like you said, you're human. How, how did all that transition? Because when when you are developing those skills or when you're developing yourself to be able to do that, how did that help you to transition to um, being a speaker and being, you know, up there giving information about your life and being that person that's instilling knowledge to impact other people's lives. How did that help you to that, that stage? Well, yeah, I mean, it was being on stage, whether it was through theater or whether it was through broadcast uh, television where people, thousands and thousands of people are seeing you every night. It, it taught me how to compartmentalize things first and foremost, that if there was something going on in my life professionally or personally, that I'm leaving it outside the door, no matter what, like I, it didn't matter. And and that is really helpful for anyone in life, especially when you're having to be on and shouldn't be stumbling and need to look competent and confident. And so I would, anything that I had going on before I went into the studio, I would just, take a second, maybe take a deep breath, just kind of relax. And, and once I broke that plane of going into the studio to, for a broadcast, it was, that was the only thing I was focused on because I was committed to no matter what was going on, I was going to be the best I could for that moment because at any second, a new viewer could be tuning in from anywhere around the world. And I had an immediate first impression that I had to give and so what was my impression going to be? I always wanted to be competent, competent, and very much approachable and relatable. And that is a very hard thing to do with all of that. But <laughs> I, I I believe I was able to Usually do people that. pick one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do everything, Stephanie. Um, and so, yeah, can you tell him, uh, you know, high achiever? Yeah. <laughs> um, so so that was that was the, the biggest thing was compartmentalizing and keeping things outside the door, but you also have to be able to, two other things, manage your self-talk and manage your physical, uh, your, your, your physical stress levels and right. your, your, you know, your nervous system to be able to just bring it down and tell your subconscious, Hey, like we're not being attacked by a bear. We're not being run down by a tiger. Like we can chill out. We can relax. Our heart rate can come down a bit. Yeah. We're talking to a bunch of people that might judge us and might say something about us, but who right. cares? You're there to do what you're there to do. And frankly, they're actually going to be um, blown away with what you're there to do. So that self-talk uh, is very key in everything in life, but especially high performance and high stakes situations. Uh, a lot of times, of course, our fear comes in because our amygdala is like, whoa, 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 we want to protect you from all these things you're trying to do, which sound crazy, but right. we want to, to have you like be able to be a little bit uh, uh, more, more uh, have some more restraint in what you're doing. But those things that make us uncomfortable are actually the things that make us better. They, they push us out of our comfort zone. We challenge ourselves and we become uh, a better version of ourselves. So 
to be able to, when that fear did come in and when that thought of like, you don't know what you're talking about or no one's going to yeah. like this or what if you mess up? What if you fail? Um, instead, I had to either let those thoughts go or just actually, you know, address them and, and then think, hey, they are so lucky that I am here, that I'm the one delivering this incredible information That's that great. will hopefully change their life. And I know it will, and even if it just changes one person in the group of a thousand. That's impact right. right there. And frankly, it's going to likely be more than that. So you, you, and you have to do that a lot. And now when I go on stage, the, 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 like the fear doesn't come in as much around, uh, like, is anyone going to like this? Like, I, I believe I'm very strongly in my content. And if it's not for someone, it's not for someone. And it wasn't maybe meant for them, but it, it's meant for the people it's supposed to be meant for. And hopefully it changes the minds of those that are willing to listen. Um, yeah. so when, when I go now, because I've told myself that so much and propped myself up so much and had others do the same, it's just a muscle now that is, is And so when I go up there, if anything, it's just like the natural nerves will come because it's like, Oh, it's stage time again. This is like, (laughs) I'm like Pavlov dog. It's like, they know the king of the bell. And so that's, that's, then it's some of just the actual, you know, calming of the nervous system, taking some deep breaths, maybe laughing a little bit and even, you know, walking around physically getting it out of your system a little bit. But the, the on stage being on no matter what's going on was really, really helpful because I think it's just helped me in any situation to, to be ready, to be poised, to be on, even in client meetings, when they ask me a question on a, on a left field and, and I'm going, Ooh, yeah. what how should I answer that? And, uh, <laughs> and how do I want to do it most authentically in the right way? All those things have helped. And, and and you talk about being comfortable and your first, the, the TEDx talk that you gave, it's not an easy topic that you're talking about. It's not um, the beauty of the struggle and how to build resilience and strength. The subject matter in which you're talking is really personal to you. Do you yes. How, how do you, how do you, like you said, you know, when you go in there and you're like, ah, I don't know, it doesn't matter if I impact all those people how powerful is it for you to be able to speak the words, um, you know, lightning never strikes twice and I'll let you tell the story, but how powerful is it for you to keep that, that story alive um, for your family? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really important. I think mostly to be able to help others who might be in the same situation um, to, to, very briefly give the the, syn- the synopsis of, of the what you're talking about is growing up I had two amazing older brothers that were like Abercrombie models and pro athletes. I mean they were all very good looking and incredibly talented when it came to school and uh, and also athletics. They were tennis players, basketball players, track. They were the guys that every girl wanted to date and every guy wanted to be. And um, amazing family. My dad was a pharmacist. Mom was a teacher. Just kind of that white picket fence, small town America family. And um, growing up, my uh, my two brothers were like my heroes, totally. And my oldest brother was my protector. And my middle brother, you know, he was always the one picking on me and stuff, of course. My oldest brother, Brandon, (laughs) was this big protector guy. And I got along with both of them. But, you know, of course, there's always like lots of hazing and roughhousing me in like right. putting wrestling holds and all these things. And uh, makes you stronger, I think. So uh, I, you think, right? <laughs> yeah, I think at the time I was like, I can't stop teasing me. I hate this. 
Exactly. And, uh, but I, um, tennis, uh, we played all the time together. That was like a sport that bonded us. I still play today. Um, and so we were a really tight knit family in that regard with, with, with plenty of teasing and not hazing to go around. But, um, when I was 12 years old, then my, I had an older brother, Cam, he was 15. And then my oldest brother, Brandon was 17. And, um, he was driving prescriptions to go to a, for a, a nursing home that, uh, my dad's pharmacy, uh, served and they would drive them to the different, um, nursing homes as they needed. And so he was doing deliveries and, he uh, was broadsided by a dump truck and killed immediately. Oh, so this was on a Friday night. This was a football game uh, in, in October uh, back in 1997. And, you know, it rocked our entire community of Red Wing, Minnesota, just 15,000 people because everyone knew, uh, right. you know, we were involved in the community. Everyone really knew each other. And uh, the, the football game got canceled that night. Everyone was totally, completely rocked by that, including, of course, our family. So that was really shocking to go through at 12 years old, like oh, that yeah. in seventh grade, just, just, you know, want to hang out with friends and do sports and do school and all the things. And, and all of a sudden things changed dramatically. And then um, my brother and I, Cam got really close and uh, he was um, especially a star athlete when it came to tennis. And so he got a scholarship to play tennis in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So there you go, Wisconsin. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got, got to a good place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was doing really well there excelling. Um, but he also was struggling with depression. And um, at that time, back in two late 1990s, early 2000s, I don't, for those who lived it and yeah. – people didn't talk about mental health no, really, nearly as much as they do now. And so back then he didn't tell a single one of his friends I knew and my parents knew and his uh, therapist they went to knew. That was it. Those were the only mm. people that knew. And um, so they had no idea he was struggling. And then um, day before his 20th birthday, he took his life. Mm. And it was just, that was a massive shock because then it was not only Brandon had died, but then all of a sudden my brother Cam and and in a much different form was very, 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 very challenging. And so that was especially hard. Um, that's a much different kind of what happened what's going on, and, um, and just how to wrap your head around all of it. So th that left me with just me and my parents, uh, no more siblings um, or anything, but lots of you know, great family members and friends, of course. But it, it certainly rocks you at your core of yeah. Uh, just loss after loss after loss. And then after that, I lost an aunt and then I lost grandparents. And really it was this five-year period of a, an immense amount of loss. And, you know, you, there's no one way that people get through challenging situations. There's um, no right or wrong way per se. There's just everyone's different ways. And I found that for me, it was realizing that, you have to look for the positives throughout the day that are going to be there. Um, there can be joy and pain. You can be an ampersand. You can be and. Um, yeah. Be crying in the morning and then be laughing and joyful in the afternoon. And the what was so interesting about the grief that I had experienced, and um, and therapists and counselors will say that there's kind of like a, a there is somewhere of a formulaic way that it happens. But for me, it just felt like at first it was this big box of rocks and, and bag of rocks on me that like I couldn't right. even lift. In the beginning, it's so heavy, you can't even move. 
And then little by little with time and healing and also facing it, which is so critical. It's so critical to face and understand it that little by little that bag of rocks was lighter and suddenly I could lift it and walk maybe a mile with it. And then after uh, another six months or a year, after facing it and facing the pain and going through things, but also being willing to grow from it, um, you know, the the bag of rocks was less. And frankly, it's like on a shelf somewhere that hardly is even um, either thought of or touched. And, uh, but it still is wonderfully a part of you that helps you be who the person you are today. And so through all of it, it, I I let it shape me, but uh, like allowed me to also be kind of a phoenix and rise from it. Right. Not allow it to keep me down. But I, I, there's been so many iterations over the years of things um, that I've, that will come up after grief of the fear of more loss um, the fear of losing people close around me again or losing something I care about and working through those kinds of things for those who have lost loved ones is probably right. your best life's work because <laughs> it, it will it will take a toll on you if you don't actually face it. And so I just I've always been committed to doing the hard work of self uh, in like retrospection and like self-examination, yeah. even though it can be really, really uh gritty at times. And so I, through all of this, I couldn't believe I did this because, you know, I think through the grief and all that, you think you can't hardly do anything. But about eight or nine years after Cam died, I had this like just kind of nudging continually over the years that was like, you got to do something with your position as a news anchor and your platform to be able to help other people. And so I just had a vision of, all right, I want to put mental health professionals in schools. I want to make this connection between the school and kids because I know it's dropped so often that kids struggle in school, parents see it, families see it, teachers see it. And then they're like, okay, this would be a great resource. Go, your child just needs a little bit of help, uh, maybe just behavioral health, or it might need medication or other support. But that ball gets dropped for a million different reasons. And I just wanted to be able to have kind of like a mental health school nurse versus just a school nurse. And um, little by little, I connected to, with people in the community. Uh, I worked really hard as a news anchor and starting a nonprofit. And then uh, over time, built a nonprofit that um, flourished and went across the entire state of North Dakota and northern Minnesota and helped thousands and thousands of kids, saved lives, enhanced lives, uh, put mental health professionals in schools, mental health awareness, empowered kids to be able to have the conversation and adults and everyone in between. And so that legacy lived on. Um, That's that, so powerful. Yeah, and it was like there, incredible good has to come out of this. That's all I thought. It, it has to come out of this. And so, but it was on me to take that action, and right. also with a lot of faith and support in, the, in, in from all levels that I'll never understand, um, really pushed everything forward. And so today, it's just that continual. Um, whether it's talking about their legacy or just living it out by being an example myself of being someone who's risen through the ashes and, you know, continually is rising because we all have things we work through. Committed <laughs> yes. to doing that and then helping others get through that is like the my life's best work, I think. I, I love it because you you talk about in one of your keynotes, you have, um, there's immense beauty and strength through struggle. Mm-hmm. And just exactly like you've articulated you know the amount of, uh, of beauty of of the having that um, that imagine thriving initiative that you did, and 
you know, you being on all these different boards, uh, how do you see yourself moving forward? Do you, what is, what is that next iteration of your life to be able to continue to impact others, not only from the experiences of, that you've had, but help them to deliver their impact to others? Absolutely. Yeah. For me, so much of what shaped me is that, and part of this is through my my parents, um, their example through my faith, is that we, like, we're not put on this earth to just be alone and do it all on our own. It's impossible. And if we do it all on our own, we didn't dream big enough because you can't do it all on your own. (laughs) And so, so for me, it was, it's always been about giving first when possible and then then receiving and so the giving is this i have a lot of information that i have gained over the years experiential and and things i've been taught that will make me a a better person and i want to share that with you i don't want to just keep this and hold on to it and um i see that the more i do that then it's just a ripple effect way way beyond that of others doing the same thing that i need you to pay it forward i can't just give it to you and whether it's um in the world of aviation where we give flight ratings to people uh which is a very expensive thing but it, it allows them the ability to to have their dream life in aviation and their dream job and the things they always dreamed of, or whether it's supporting like the LGBTQ plus community and in, in their um, their rights and their support and, right. and just helping them live a more empowered life, or whether that's helping people like that just are kind of feeling stuck in their job and they just they don't really love it, but they're like, well, let's just stay comfortable because it's a little easier than actually like changing anything <laughs> and getting this any sort of discomfort but wait my life could be a thousand times better but i don't want to feel that like momentary discomfort for a little bit it's helping them get through that and move through that and um and so the the work that i am doing now is always evolving but um as i went from being a broadcast news anchor and reporter to starting my own business and executive coaching and speaking to then being a full-time professional pilot and and yeah. now a professional singer too, which why not just throw all these things on my plate? Uh, is, I, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past you to do something else. I mean, you know, they're always looking for new astronauts. Or <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you could scuba dive in the North Pole. Whatever it is, yeah. I wouldn't put it past you. I've actually wanted to do dry scuba diving, so yes, I. I <laughs> How did I guess that? How did I guess that? I love that that was a guess. That yeah, was, I think that's uh, yeah. very good. Um, but <laughs> I, I think what has been like a, a huge success for me throughout, I mean, there's so many things, but it is continually putting your foot in front of the, one foot in front of the other, having massive support around you, like always being willing to reach out. Like, I can't do this all alone. There's no way. And I'm right. very lucky that. Uh, my husband, friends, family are like in many regards way smarter than me in many areas. So yes, please <laughs> teach me the ways. And so I always want to be in the room where I'm not the smartest, where there's a bunch of people that are way smarter than me in many different areas, and I'll learn from them and grow and grow and grow. And love that. And yeah, and so I'm always continually soaking up and learning. And as a pilot, uh, it's classically called a license to learn. Like there is hmm. there is astronauts out there who have like 50,000 hours, like a thousand or two casually of which are in space. And, yeah. and they're, they are continually learning about aviation there. And I have had Thunderbird 
pilots, uh, Blue Angel pilots and fighter pilots that have learned from me on some of the piston aircraft or jets that I fly. And I'm like, this is very shocking, humbling and honoring that I'm like, these elite people are learning from me, but it's because they have a mindset of like, they can always learn something and there's always something new. And, and so when I, when I look at where my life will go and what it will do is it's always, my life has kind of guided me versus me fully guiding it. These things have kind of, they've sort of fallen in, 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 in my lap or whatever you want to call it. But things like I started as a pharmacist going to school for pharmacy and my first chemistry class. And I was like, that sounds like a Greek, Greek language or something. (laughs) I, I don't understand any of that. And so I, so I'm you're like, saying I, your 18th century microphone was not on in that class? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, no, no, this is, I, I, it was definitely not. And I'm like, I, you know, short-sighted 18-year-old, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just going to leave and try something totally different. Hey, mom and dad, I'm going to be a broadcast journalist or like a writer that makes no money. And they're like, great. Um, so this, we'll see you at home. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you at home, exactly. We'll have, we'll have dinner ready. Yes. Um, and so for, for for me, it was that that was not supposed to be my path. And hey, I pivoted and it, uh, like my heart and kind of instincts were in the world around broadcast and and being on a stage, but also telling stories and getting the information, especially in sports. I love sports. So yeah. I let that guide me. And then that led me into news and sports. And then when that chapter was done and I kept this, I had this like in pit, pit of my stomach saying, as much as I love broadcast, this chapter is closing and I'm not feeling challenged anymore. I have to do something that really inspires me. So what is that? And then I just opened that up into the world and and little by little talk to people here and there and left and right about how can I use my skills in the world right now that solve a problem or that at least it will do something that makes lives better or that will at least make money. And that, (laughs) that came in the form of, of I'm going to do motivational speaking because I had done it in with the nonprofit that had started as kind of, you know, I'd been evangelizing about what we were doing and our message. And I thought, well, I mean, I've been able to build lots of support for that. I can actually use the things I've learned in the world and motivate people. And so then that flourished from there. And then I was able to get into the world of aviation and very, very blessed to have that be put in front of me and then run full speed ahead. Not easy by any means. It's incredibly <laughs> challenging to build all these ratings and exhausting. A lot of people might quit or stop or take some time, but with the right people around you, the support of like, you can do this, keep going, take a break, relax, yep. and jump back in, all those things that it, that it continued to keep moving for me. So I've always like let the next thing fall in front of me, but always be like, tenaciously hard working at what I'm doing currently. And then if I feel inspired to do something, I start searching after it, talking to people, um, getting insights on it and, and, you know, picking people's brains about it. And then all of a sudden that might be something that is what I want to do or no. Okay. I'm going to pivot the other way. <laughs> like this, this continual iteration of, of what I want to be doing. Oh, I, I love that. Make sure you go to gets com dot com. And you'll see right on that first page exactly what you've been hearing. Don't settle for good. That's such a powerful statement, and, and you lived that. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, I, and and as any um, overachiever and 
like recovering perfectionist knows that sometimes it's really <laughs> sometimes it's really exhausting to always be having such a high level of performance and it takes its toll physically mentally so it's always that balance that i've found to like i'm never going to settle for good i know there's greatness in me and i'm going to push it out of me as hard as i possibly can but i have people around me that will not let me settle for good either That's like they'll, they'll challenge me they will just hold my feet to the fire and be like no no, you're, you're better than this. Do better. And awesome. that really helps me continue to be great and then push others to be great and doing it in a way that's that's like pushing and challenging them, but welcoming, encouraging, supportive, and makes them feel good about their accomplishment when they're done. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. So much great information. And obviously your experiential knowledge has, has kind of spilled over into that impact that you are creating for others. I always end my podcast the same way with three questions. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> oh, come I'm on. So, for what? I'm never ready. All these things, and then I ask you three questions. Okay. All, right. <laughs> all right, here's the first one. If you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, to, like, be, to be open for anything and let the journey take you because the journey is going to know what you need. Yes. You just have to step into it. So like, let it come. Love that. Love that. Now everybody deals with challenges and struggles. And I know that you've, you've given some great advice. What would be two things, two habits that you would tell people to start to incorporate into their daily life to start and continue to move forward? Absolutely. The first is definitely your self-talk. So, you know, I heard a quote recently that you you have a conversation with yourself more than any other person. So you better be right. talking to yourself <laughs> and encouraging. And so we have to be conscious of the stories that we tell ourselves and start believing. So when people, a lot of times that I'm working with them and they, they're stuck somewhere in some something that they can't break through, it's because they believe that they're not good at something or that they, they can't do something or that and they can't possibly learn that or become that. And I'm like, right. well, do you, like Einstein or Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or any of these really elite people, they may like, they weren't born with just like, Oh, you can do anything. They worked at it and, yeah. and moved through things and got through challenges. And we have to tell ourselves that too, that we can be elite too. I came from a small town in Minnesota. I'm not anything special. I just work hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I just continue moving. And That's don't true. settle for good. And I don't settle for good. So yeah, I would say, you know, be be conscious of that, and then like start talking to yourself like your best friend, like that. Yeah. If 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 they were going through something challenging, you wouldn't be like, yeah, you really suck. You would say, <laughs> hey, you know what? This you're working on this, and you've done really well with this. Let's keep going, and let's get even better, because. Because the second piece of that, then this works into the second piece, is that you're never good at anything when you first try it rarely. Yeah. And so people don't want to try things. They're like, Oh, I, I just, I, I don't know that, that, that tennis or pickleball things, that'd be fun to get some exercise, but you know, I don't know. I'm not going to be very good at it. And they don't even know they're doing it, but they don't step into something or try anything because yes. they don't want to fail or they don't want to feel like they're not good at it. And I am really good at not being good at things because <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. I don't know in about that. No, gonna... <laughs> in the beginning. Now, eventually, I'm good. In the at beginning, that. yes. In there the you beginning, go. you're not. Like in the beginning, as being a, as a pilot, I 
I was fine, but no, by no means was I great. And I wasn't even good, probably. I didn't understand how to keep altitude or turn to a certain heading the right way and roll out at the right time. You learn that by practice. And so like allowing yourself to realize that on the mindset side of that, you might not be good at something right away. You probably won't, but you will over time because that's what it, that's the whole point is that the more reps you get at it, the better you'll get at it. And, and to put yourself in a position to just be really uncomfortable because that's where you're growing and that's where you're being great. So true. So true. All right. This last one, I, I, usually I can pinpoint where some people are going to go with it, but I have no idea who you're going to pick. Uh-oh. All right. So if, if you could have coffee with three people uh, that can be deceased or alive at a firehouse table. So in other words, you can ask any question and it's going to be answered. Who would those three people be and why? It's so unfair. There's like a hundred people I want. I, I figured I figured that. I wanted to see who you distill it to. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. I know. It's going to be challenging. Okay. You can like cut this part a little bit if it's like too long for you to think of uh, a couple. No, this is, this is <laughs> the best part. This is, see, you're, you're really, you're reflecting on who you think is going to be good enough to be yeah. at the coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, this is tough. Well, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is Tiger Woods. I'm a massive fan ah, of him. Okay. Because I, I always want to pick the brain of people who are the most elite at everything that they do. Yeah. And um, he has also gone through a couple things, if you don't know, in life. Uh, a few. And, uh, a few. <laughs> he has risen through them uh, unbelievably well. And just to hear how he's come back mentally, physically, emotionally from these right. things and what he's learned, uh, that would be utterly fascinating. Plus, I love golf, so it'd be fun to, there you go. to learn from him. Another one would either be Jackie Cochran or Amelia Earhart, for oh, sure. Because, wow. come on, Ed, first of all, I'd like to just say, how did you, how did you do it all? And, yeah. and how did you keep persevering? And how did you, how did you even navigate without GPS? I don't even know how to do that. But oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> no, how do? But how did you, especially in a very, very beyond male-dominated world, even more so than it is now? Um, and just and say, how, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do it. And just, they just loved it. And uh, to be the first, not only pilots, some of the first, but also first female pilots. Right. Um, oh, goodness. And then this is going to be a really interesting one. Either uh, Jesus Christ himself or Richard Branson as a Christian. I mean, my goodness, there'd be no better person than to be able to sit down. Oh, with yeah. and Tell me all the things and like, tell me how you got things and tell me how you did things with people. Yep peace and patience with people and um, and be able to do things with grace and, and poise. And um, it would just be amazing. And then, I mean, honestly, with the Richard Branson, I've always been a massive fan of him because he's able to do things in a way uh, with just like energy and excitement and happiness. Um, there is a quote that I had on my computer of his that said, um, that spend more time smiling than frowning and tell, spend more time praising than criticizing. 
this oh, is coming wow. from one of the wealthiest, most influential people in the world, which where people think you have to be strong and and cut people down or at least be just, you know, all business. No, he's he's like a jovial adventure, fun guy who wants to make life and work a fun place. And oh, wow. I think a lot of leaders can learn from that leaders on any level, whether it's managers, frontline staff or, or executives, that you can you can pay compliments. You can be good to people. You can also be strong and competent and and, and be a fierce pit bull when it comes to business decisions while still right. being a nice human. And I think he embodies all that. I love it. I love it. That, see, you picked the perfect three. That, or, or, or actually, like it was five. five. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, we were not counting. Like and or. No, I'm going to have to have the pictures. One of them can't make it. I have to have an, a backup. Oh, here. see, now your TV side is coming out and you has <laughs> got my backup interview. I love it. I love it. Well, make sure you go to Gets com.com it's com.com and stephanie it's been a pleasure to have you on today it's been a pleasure too i really appreciate it, rob thank you thanks for listening and supporting the forged in the fires podcast with fireman rob remember don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and please share this episode with a friend or family to find out more about fireman rob or reach out about a question go to www.firemanrob.com Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.